Thank you for listening to Namat's Movie Reviews Podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Luke 18, verse 3. Here's a parable about a woman seeking vengeance for a wrongdoer who victimized her and then escaped justice. But Jesus tells us, When a sinner goes unpunished, he is only free from man's law. When man's law fails, God's law prevails. Mr. Bishop, Mr. Bishop, hold it. Mr. Bishop, Detective Sawyer, I'm sorry about your loss, Pastor. Don't think this was a case of road rage. Sarah was found with her hands zip tied to the steering wheel. Acquainted with this sort of hurt, I know the futility. How'd you get through it? I got healed. How? I'm gonna tell you about an opportunity I was once given, and I'm gonna offer you that same opportunity. I've got the guy, John. How'd you like one minute? One minute alone. John, I want to introduce you to the man who murdered your daughter. It's time for you to heal, John. My only rule is you can't kill him. Count the moments. He stole from your Sarah. No turning back, John. You can't find your own brother. Look harder. This isn't you, you're scaring me. Daddy, you okay? Who the hell are you guys? Where's my brother? Come on! She fought harder than you do! Daddy, sorry about this. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 460. Releasing September 14 is The Retaliators, a horror thriller that stars Michael Lombardi as a small-town pastor who undertakes a harrowing journey in his quest to find justice for the man who killed his daughter, a blood-soaked tale of morality and vengeance that is backed by a hard-rocking soundtrack. The Retaliators lives up to his promise of delivering eye-popping violence and thought-provoking commentary. And joining me now on the podcast is the man himself, Michael Lombardi. Michael, how are you today? Hey, Matthew. How are you? Episode 460, huh? That's yes, sir. No, <laughs> absolutely. Like, you've got to keep, you've got to keep hustling. You've got to keep working, right? And, uh, and I know for yourself, this is something that's been on the, on the books for you for a little while. And it's really interesting watching The Retaliators. I'm a fan of both horror and heavy metal. And so the history of both, how they converge time and again is really interesting to me this movie though it kind of it does go back to your own time as a musician as the, the front man for apache stone because back then 
you were writing at times with the film's screenwriters, which is um, Darren Gear and Jeff Allen Gear. So how does that kind of spin off to what you guys are doing in a totally different art form to what you have now in movies? How does it kind of come about that you guys are now collaborating uh, in the movie sphere as opposed to music beforehand? Yeah, the great question, man. So I'll tell you this. Uh, many years ago, early 2000s and mid-2000s, I had a record deal. At the time, MySpace Records was a label. And uh, my music manager, um, I was back and forth a lot from New York. I'm an East Coast guy, but I was in L.A. often. And my music manager said, look, you got to drive down to Southern California. That's where these guys live. They're amazing mm -hmm. songwriters. They themselves had an incredible band. And like you said, we used to write music together. And I thought they were the most talented guys. Like literally, uh, uh, we just we just really hit it off. We collaborated beautifully together. Our tastes were so aligned. Several years had passed, again, being on separate coasts. And I hadn't spoken with them. And I said, hey, Darren, that's one of the Gear Brothers, Darren Gear. Hey, what have you been up to, man? And he said, my brother and I have been writing screenplays. Mm -hmm. And I immediately knew how good. I said, send them to me. So they sent them all to me. I read the retaliators and the music to me just jumped off the page. You know, the third act is like the birth of metal in this thing. Like, <laughs> I felt again, because as I said, we, we, we always collaborated so beautifully together. I think their influences and their inspirations in different genres really popped in this script. Films such as The Lost Boys, um, this Joe Dante-esque gremlins -y, small town Spielbergian beginning with this uh, uh, Sin City-esque um, graphic novel vibe into this crazy Tarantino-ish crazy third act with a nod to to as i said the, all these great films of the 80s but also evil dead in the character of ash so all these jumped off i called darren and i said man and i i said exactly what i'm saying to you now about the influences and the inspirations and he's like hey man you're you listen you're dead on and i said we got to make this thing and uh it's that was about close to three years ago now just really interesting about the retaliators as opposed to the other films you're talking about is that your movie deals like with some really heavy themes. They're talking about morality, religion, vengeance, and justice. And the genesis of that really comes down to that the Gear Brothers had dealt with their own kind of like specific tragedy in that their young, younger sister was survived a really vicious sexual assault. And that kind of awe to what we kind of see like on the screen now. It, to me, it kind of feels like it's like art their art is like expressing expressing their like their deepest darks darkest thoughts and desires it's things that people often think about but they don't really find themselves at that crossroads until it happens to them i imagine for them um that this would be very much them kind of like spewing out or exercising certain demons within themselves in regards to that that own incident um put forth in a screenplay is that how you kind of saw it as well 100%. You're dead on. And I think what's very important here is, yes, their sister was brutally attacked several years ago. And, um, you know, they had to sit through, they didn't get the guy for a long time. And they finally did. The story will give you goosebumps the way she had to fight for her life uh, to get out of the situation. But um, they didn't catch the guy for, for several, several years. So they had to, the family had to endure a lot. And then when they did, uh, there was, uh, he, he put a belt around her neck and that was the thing that would be like, and by the way, she's very outspoken about this. So we're not exploiting anything in the wrong manner. She wants her story to be heard. And she did day one, um, from when this happened, she's a very strong individual, but what happened was there was one jury member who didn't want to give the guy like life because of the belt around the neck would be murder or attempted murder. So that it went on and on in trials. 
And the two brothers, they come from a very big family. They would, uh, they saw what their father was going through, what their sister was and how, and they said, you know, imagine if there was a service where you could just have a minute alone with this person. Like if there was a service you can call and they could put you in a room with this individual. And the concept of the film is what would you do if you had a minute alone with the person who hurt or killed your loved one? And that really is, and you said something, you know, this film sits on the highbrow side of horror. It's story driven. It's a slow burn. And that's what attracted me to it a lot. And I think it's the kind of movie where you can go watch it and it's a popcorn fun movie. And it should, I should tell you that the, the story, the film is inspired by that concept. It's not about what happened to her sister, although there were Easter eggs and nods to it. And there's a character, Aunt Jody, and it, but it's about this concept and, and it, it really teeters and, and lives in that space. Like you can go out for a drink or dinner afterward and talk about these concepts, morality, religion, and justice. And I think half the people will be for this concept. Yeah. You want that minute alone. And the other half are sort of on the fence. And that's really interesting place to be and see it told from this from this story. And I think it takes a lot of twists and turns that are unexpected, which you may be like, you know, it's a revenge thriller at the end of the day. And that's the oldest, you know, one of the oldest stories in the books, right? It's like Shakespeare and love. And it's just, uh, it's from the beginning of time, but I think it's told in a certain interesting light in this case. And what's another thing that's really interesting is that, as you said, it's just a, a film about story and character and the character that you play um, the character of John Bishop, he himself is a man of God. He's a pastor. And on top of myself being a horror fan and a heavy metal fan, I'm a Christian as well. So I always find it interesting watching those dynamics play out on screen, um, especially considering him. He's very much a, a person who turns the other cheek when originally uh, uh, confronted with the notion of violence. Um, and now that he's placed in this position where it's like do or die, how does that kind of happen? Like, how does that kind of fit within his soul? It kind of reminds me in a certain way of when um, the church kind of brought about the notion of just war during world wars, where there is definitely um, the commandment says thou shalt not kill. But in this circumstance, in the face of a country, in the face of a greater evil, there's a time to kill. I think that's a really interesting dynamic to play with. Did you find the same thing as well in regards to this character? Absolutely. And I think being a man of the cloth and, you know, when you do, when you prepare for a role like this, I, I went to many modern day sermons and, you know, I, I actually uh, grew up uh, Catholic as well. So it's interesting. Um, so, so I was, I was, uh, I was heavily informed on that side, but I, I'll tell you, you know, I went to a few modern day sermons and, 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 and I thought about how do you build a guy like this? Who is he, uh, I think he chooses to be passive in a lot of situations, but it's not like he's a wimp or he's scared or he doesn't stand up for my, for himself and myself. I played the character so long. Um, so, so I think, I think I built something inside of him that may have happened in his past. And then, uh, you know, he met his wife and maybe she brought him to the church and it helped heal him. And he turned to the, to the, to the Lord and, and to, to healing and, and, um, and that uh, ideology and that, that, that uh, uh, scripture and became a, a modern day pastor to spread the word over a long time. So now when he's confronted with this, because you could see, you can ask yourself, and I hope, you know, that it's not unrealistic, but the turns that he takes and who he becomes from the beginning to the end in the journey and sort of peeling back that onion is hopefully pretty interesting. And it's not like 
completely far-fetched considering who he is because he is a human being. And I thought what was interesting is you brought up thou shall not kill. That's actually our tagline. <laughs> um, thou shall not kill. And then the not gets crossed out with an X because it's like, that's what, you know, his, his, what he's contemplating throughout. And I think what's also interesting is that something terrible could happen to you. And I remember being like a, a young boy and thinking about someone hurting my parents or them not being there and what I would do. And if you have a child now or, or a young niece or nephew, it's, it's easier to relate that you're close to. I think that really helps you help me put my, my, my head around this part, but you would be, you would want that revenge, right? You really would. But then when this human being is sitting in front of you, would you be able to actually puncture scan? or, you know, whatever it is you're going to do, hurt someone, poke their eyes, see blood and physically do that. Uh, I think it's an interesting question. And again, it's not a new question, that's for sure. But I think it's told in an interesting way. And that's what attracted me about the script. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Tee Public. Tee Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, the public is sure to have something you love. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Amazon. The world's leading online store, Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. So we, when we talk about the third act, and I don't want to give away spoilers, but let's just say there will be blood, and there's plenty of blood in this movie. And, you know, there's key art from the from the film and stills where in, it portrays what happens to you in the third act in regards to you're just caked with this stuff. you got blood all over your face. There's one scene where it's clearly in your eye, and kudos to you for keeping your eyes open for that long as well because I don't know how long I can do it. Um, and so yes. when it comes to that, working with blood in that kind of way, what's the experience like? I mean, does, it, does, it, does shoot number five differ from shoot number one or is it always an uncomfortable experience? Because I imagine that kind of stuff, the concoction of it will be so incredibly sticky. Maybe it smells, maybe all the, all the above. How do you kind of work through that? And, and does it become easier as, it, as you go along in the production? Oh, brother, like you killed it. You're exactly right. I want to tell you this about that scene. Thank you for that uh, sticking in your mind, because I was like, I ha we have to get this shot. Like I personally literally wanted that shot. I'm like, it was a drone shot that was hovering over me, actually, after this big fight. And I'm like, I'm you got to get this. And then I think we did one with the camera, too, like the DP just over. But I'm like, we yeah. need at the shot and I opened my eyes and it's my favorite shot of one of my top three of the film. So thank you for acknowledging it. And yes, that blood man is, you know, it's this, it's sticky. It's got like a syrupy substance in it. So you're cons. I don't like any kind of makeup, like whatever, even if they want to touch up my eyes underneath, I, I just don't like it. So this was really difficult uh, because when you're, 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 your shirt sticking to your chest all the mm. time between takes, and as you know, there's a lot of downtime, then you have to go to lunch with this on <laughs> and you're like, oh. and then, um, yeah, it's really sticky. And then you're, like I said, and your chin is sticking to your chest and every time you move, but you know what? 
at the end of the day, it's like, look, man, I mean, we're making a movie. I'm doing what I love. So you always have to keep that in your mind. It's not, I'm blessed. It's not like I'm digging ditches or something, but yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was really, it, it, and then, oh, at the end of the day, 12, 14 hour day, I also produce on this. So it just never ends. When you get back to the hotel room, you're making calls for the next day and putting out fires. You know, it's an hour long hot shower to get this stuff off. My final question, I just want to go back to the history of heavy metal and horror. And like I said, it's something that comes up quite often. Actually, recently I've, I rewatched a um, film from, I think it was from 86 or 87 called Trick or Treat. Um, it was like a slasher film from the 80s. And that had like Ozzy Osbourne and Gene Simmons in it and a bunch of other like metal guys from the 80s. It's kind of similar to what you have here in the Retaliators. You have members of Five Finger Death Punch. Um, you have members of Papa Roach, Tommy Lee from Motley Crue appears as other um, band members as well. Um, usually when musicians appear in films, they play musicians, but this time they are actually playing characters. Um, where did the notion come from to having these guys portray these roles? Was it just a really cool, cool feeling of synergy considering they're playing the, the, the soundtrack as well and it'd be really cool to have them on screen as well? Um, or is this something that like that kind of comes along kind of, you know, when you're casting, you're like, hey, what about, you know, Ian, uh, Ian Moody from Five Finger, Five Finger Death Punch could play this character. And then let's get Zoltan to play this other guy and all that kind of stuff. Is that kind of, kind of like how it kind of comes about? You know, uh, no. And I, and, and, and I have to tell you, there's been a tremendous amount of thought in casting these roles. And I told you when I read the script, the music jumped off the page to me, just the whole vibe, like the nod to the Lost Boys, the Crow, mm. Judgment Night, yeah. all these great films of the uh, 80s and 90s with awesome soundtracks. So the writing and it lent itself to that, I thought, in the style. And I told you my my, my writing partners the, for music and the Gear Brothers who scripted this, it's just right up our alley, all those movies. So we were like, so I brought the movie to Alan Kovac, who is the founder and CEO of Better Noise Music. And he got it. And he goes, look, Let's do this film. And he backed me the whole way. And he gave me all his musicians numbers, five finger death punch. We talked about the perfect tailored role for these guys. Hey, the motorcycle gang, the Jacoby Shaddix of Papa Roach. He's going to play Quinn Brady, the bad guy, all good things. These guys are the gas station attendants because it's a, it's, it's sort of like a, a, a knock on millennials and they just look great. That little scene. Right. So we very carefully cast each, each of these guys. And the main goal was to do it in a very non-gratuitous manner. So that it was a movie first. Mm. Alan always said that to me and I appreciated it so much because I'm an actor. I've been an actor for 20 years and I, uh, I, I felt like I wanted to make a film and that's what attracted me. Of course, I have a music background and I love music. So the two coming together, it's like, it's almost been my destiny because I've been doing both for a long time. And anyway, I spoke with every musician before they got on said about their roles and these guys brought it man like to me you wouldn't know the character of Quinn Brady Jacoby Shaddix you would just say he's an actor and then you, mm. if you did your research if you didn't know Papa Roach you'd be like oh my gosh that guy's the lead singer of Papa Roach so I think that's true of all their performances and to me that's the key to the film I think it's a movie first we had a great film festival run and uh you know with we we, we were able uh, we 
uh, Freight Fest in the UK, arguably one of the top five. We, we got into that and then we said, okay, we have a movie here. We got some good reviews. We maybe see, because you never know, you know, what people are going to perceive. And especially with all these cameos and this phenomenal soundtrack, and it is music driven. But again, it was very important to us. And then we opened Scream Fest in LA, which is another huge genre festival. But yeah, it was very important to us. Um, to make it a film first, but then have all these great cameos. And I know we do have to wrap it up, but I need to tell you one last thing that's interesting because I said it before, we talked about the the, the younger sister of, of the Gear uh, brothers and the origin of the story. You know, I, I played a firefighter on a television show called Rescue Me yes. um, on the FX network. I did a hundred episode run on that. Now get this and how serendipitous this is. And again, because I talked about the musical angle and, you know, me being uh, able to produce and uh, be an additional director and be in this film. But this other crazy part and element of this movie that I think is very interesting and hope others will, if they listen, is that when this brutal attack happened to her, she was in firefighter school mm. and she was a probationary. She then became a probationary firefighter. Now, on the television show Rescue Me, I was the probie, the probationary firefighter. And I was one of her favorite characters because, of course, she related. And the show Rescue Me, even though it was a drama, it had a lot of comedic elements. So she watched the show and it she made her laugh. So over the course of the 100 episode run, it helped her heal because she saw firefighters who had real life flaws. The show was very real and it was about humanity more, even though these guys are heroes, because at the end of the day, they run into buildings, burning buildings when people are running out. But I think what's important about this is so now I end up being the lead in the movie that's, uh, you know, inspired by her uh, and, and her horrible, horrific story. But get this now. It's a it's a winning hero story. She is one of the only female firefighter captains. There's a very few in America. So it's a win story. All these years later, I think it's been over the course of 15 years now, she healed and she became a, a, a captain in the fire service. So I just wanted to share that with you because we touched upon the origin, but I thought it was another crazy angle to this film and this story and this Ooh. journey. Thank you very much for sharing. I'm sure a lot of people will take a lot of interest in that story in such a fascinating way. Sometimes all of these kind of paths can converge when it, when it comes to, you know, art and uh, experience and tragedy sometimes they can all kind of come together and for everyone listening september 14 the retaliators in australian cinemas i'm pretty sure it's a global release too and in states as well it's going to be playing over there like you said it's had a great festival run um currently still standing pretty on 100 on rotten tomatoes the critics love it i loved it too and i just want to say to everyone you have to watch this in the cinema because i think this is a kind of communal uh, movie because there are scenes in the movie that i think people can openly react to and i think when people watch it together, like especially, I think horror has a really good way of kind of tapping in to certain things in regards to people and the way that they react to movies. This is one of those films where people will react to it um, in different ways because it's a film that not only hits you kind of viscerally, but it's also got uh, it's a movie that's going to make you think as well. Um, and it's been a pleasure, Michael Lombardi, to talk to you today. Congratulations with the film. Hopefully we can talk again in the future with other films because it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Really have. I would love that. Thank you, Matthew. Be well. Thank you. You too.